0: Now, welcome to the embark mini pod brought to you by embark group as we take a snapshot look at some of the finer topics from across the industry now today we've got david sneed who's vice president and analyst in responsible in the responsible investment team at bmo global asset management i'm going to discuss what AI and automation can do for the industry. Because David's written a really interesting article called Artificial Intelligence, Automation and the Future of Work. You can find it on the BMO GAM website. Uh, first of all, David, I mean, let's, just just tell me what you do. What, what What's your role in all this? And then we'll start talking about automation.
1: Yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah, great to be here today. Uh, what do I do? Uh, a subject I've discussed many times in the pub and thankfully can do again now. So I work within an industry called responsible investment. And what we do is we take, ESG environmental social governance factors that are out in the world uh, and we try and boil them down to how they can impact companies, how they can impact their investment performance, what it is companies should be doing on a variety of issues and really trying to understand um, companies do not operate within a bubble, they are within society, they're reliant on society, they contribute to society in various different ways. So we try and help our fund managers and our analysts internally really boil that down to what does that mean for the hard numbers, what does it mean for them effectively trying to, provide the best risk-adjusted return for our clients so
0: to say it's kind of an ethical way forward i suppose be one way of putting it a sense that things have to work because they matter or because they are in the right space rather than just because they make money
1: yeah that's right i mean there's a it's incredibly cheesy but there's a phrase in the industry where we say we've moved from this idea of values um you know, I will not invest in weapons, I want to avoid all these different things to value, you know, what? how does that impact a, uh, a company? So let's take something like, um, you know, I, I believe in climate change and I for my grandchildren I want the future to look better than, than the environment does now. Well, actually behind that is a huge um, process of decarbonization, decarbonizing the economy, which is going to drastically change different priorities over the years as both public policy and consumers and everyone is thinking about that. So although we have this kind of principle, this kind of ethical uh, argument. You could argue we actually think that behind that there is well, real meaningful business impact. So, my job is to really think that through, boil it down, and make it palatable and usable um, for the investment process. Okay, well, we've defined what you do. Um,
0: let's talk about what you're talking about, which is AI and automation. So, what do we mean by those terms, and what are the biggest benefits and risks they can bring?
1: Yeah, great. Yeah, so, so- artificial intelligence is an interesting one because um, I would say actually no matter what definition I give I believe there'll probably be some listeners who will disagree in some respect uh, no matter how I do it because it is it is an evolving space and it's something that people are trying to figure out and there's a lot of artificial and popular culture I mean as not quite a kid but when I was slightly older I was raised on Terminator 2 one of my favourite movies with Skynet this kind of all-consuming apocalyptic um, AI that became super intelligent and, and overtook humans and um, although there's probably a great the truth in that that's not quite what we're talking about here really when you boil it down ai is effectively a set of complex algorithms that enables computers that have to be incredibly powerful to do this kind of stuff almost to think through we would call like a cognitive sort of thinking job um, or or a perceptive task kind of looking at something and recognizing it and and processing it and the reason that we got really interested in this is you know automation is not new um, you know if you think about if you go back to american farming thirty one percent of of uh, the workforce in America about one hundred years ago was all into farming yet today it's three percent yet yields have got so much bigger because effectively automation has come in and improved that process however, Um, Historically, we've seen a lot of um, what I probably call kind of physical or kind of blue collar automation. Uh, Actually, the replacement is, you know, robots in the 90s came in and did that kind of thing. Actually, what we're starting to see as AI improves, and particularly since uh, deep learning has has very much come in, um, which Is short for running a situation over and over and over again, millions and millions, billions of times, learning from every time, trial and error, and actually trying to learn how things improve. Um, That's actually starting to automate almost more white collar work. So it's the people, it's the thinking jobs, it's the perceiving, it's the processing, and all those kind of things. Um, Something I kind of looked at in the paper was actually. You know what kind of things is it is it starting to replace? So, for example, it's reasoning and decision making, or it could be just administration tasks. You know, we all have these things in our day where we're like, oh, the first hour of my day is just clearing my inbox or figuring out what this tray goes into, or this kind of stuff, um, or information processing. Um, these are all things where actually they're somehow integrated into how people work today. But more and more than that, um, it's it's changing. So, who's on the chopping block? Is probably the other way. Well, I say, it. what about? Uh... Analysts, uh, yeah, yeah, in responsible
0: (laughs) investment, you know, maybe.
1: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I've got I've got my plans, but I hope to stick around for a while longer. Um, so, so interestingly, in some of the research I've done, we looked at you know what are the top ten growing jobs and what are the top ten uh, uh, decreasing jobs. And so you look at that growing list, it's everyone who's kind of working in this field. So it's data analysts, it's AI machine learning specialists, social media managers. Interesting enough, Internet of Things specialists. But actually, when you look at who is decreasing in demand, it's for example data entry clerks, or it's bookkeepers, or it's auditors or it's uh, customer service workers you know people who are interacting with people it's operational managers so people who may overlook an operation and try and look for efficiencies and tweak things as they go and at position 11 is financial analysts so I shouldn't pretend I'm entirely immune here um, but it's definitely something that, that, that's kind of there but I but- guess
0: I was going to say, what about the, the be- I mean, we talked about in a way, I suppose, what are benefits and risks in the sense of people losing their jobs, obviously, is a risk. But there are benefits as well from it, I guess, in in the sort of work we have to do and the sort of the way we do it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think one of the reasons I wanted to look at this area is because we're trying to demystify um, a lot of the, the sometimes scaremongering around. Uh, you know, there's some big numbers out there. The, the World Economic Forum f- uh, predicts between four and 800 million full-time equivalent jobs will be displaced in some form globally by 2030 as a result of this automation that's going to come in. So that's obviously a huge number. And when you look at that list, you know, you're know you like, well, everyone knows someone who probably works in one of those jobs. So you start to think through kind of where, where it's going to sit. However, they actually, There's some really exciting thing here when it comes to the level of efficiency that can be gained, and I'll just throw some numbers out there from like sort of previous kind of industrial revolutions we've seen and estimates. So the steam engine, for example, people predict that that was about 0.3% per annum improvement in efficiency when they introduced, or when we had IT come in in the 70s and 80s, that was about 0.6%. Well, people are predicting actually over the next 50 years, AI will enable us to get between something between 0.8 and 1.4% per annum improvement, which sounds quite small as a, in an individual year, but when you start building that up, actually, this could enable us to um, just um, do things uh, and, and work in ways that really we just can't really get our head around right now, and, and efficiencies that could really just revolutionise almost what humans are capable of in their output, and particularly as we move into a resource scarce, and in some countries um, where populations are declining, a labour scarce environment, um, that's probably something that should be embraced and, and something that's really going to help with economic development.
0: Yeah, but I suppose then people think, okay, well, that's um, if my work is going away, what's going to happen to my retirement? Um, Because, you know, one comes from the other, pensions come from your work. If your work has changed, does your retirement change as well?
1: Yeah, so that that kind of touches on, in some respect, how work changes. And I think, you know, one of the the key phrases I used there in that statistic was full-time equivalent jobs. I think most people accept that um, AI is not at the point where it can just come in and outright replace a human. Um, I've been talking to a few people in the industry and they almost sometimes say, actually artificial intelligence is the wrong name. We really, we should be calling it augmented intelligence. It's something where it enhances what a human can bring to the table. And there is this big movement to try and make AI human centric. In fact, where we read in the media about it going very wrong, whether that be racial bias, whether that be mass surveillance, often it's because people have lost sight of what the technology really should really be doing in enhancing human output. So thinking through, there hasn't been too much research thinking about how retirement actually might change. But if you think about it, if work is becoming more valuable because effectively what is... What value does someone have working in a job? It's the human stuff that they contribute. It's not all the admin, which, you know, some people love admin. I personally am not one of those people. Um, but if there's all these little bits and bobs that can effectively be automated away, you could argue that could increase the value. And people may actually be in a situation where they choose to work longer, because the the the, the value they get and, and the enjoyment from work could look different. But at the same time, it's also worth noting, when I looked to that growth market for jobs, um, you know, with social media manager or big tech specialist and all these kind of thing, software developers, you know, that that has always and will always sit with a younger demographic. So the skill base um, is is adjusting to that lower demographic all the time, which obviously does have implications on those at the other end of the scale, where reskilling um, is, can be much more difficult. Or maybe just right now, culturally, um, there isn't a thing around going back to university at 50, for example, when you think, well, actually, what do the next 25 years of my career, does my career have 25 years left in it? And what does it look like? Right now, we don't really have that culture around reskilling at that later age so that is one of the areas where in our report we just tried to say actually that is really what needs to change to to make sure that we don't get this disruption that 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 is kind of feared out there
0: but when you talk about augmented intelligence or ways of helping people i suppose but there will be jobs that that simply disappear surely Uh, and quite a lot of people perhaps at the lower skill end uh, one might suspect might simply face a lifetime of unemployment is that that what's going to happen
1: yeah I think I think there will always be um there will always be a degree of the labor market where it just does not make economic sense to pursue this automation um so I think there are still corners that are immune and I think when it comes to human interaction you know a, a classic one would be for example um I think it will I think it's Naive to think that people are going to start going to see a robot doctor, for example. However, the medical profession has very much embraced AI in terms of the research that's available and the way that it can help with diagnosis and it can actually augment the efficiency of how that person works. Um, lower down that too, particularly in other countries, you know, where the labor where the labor supply remains quite cheap, um, um, uh, then then ultimately the, the investment cost that comes from AI just right now doesn't make sense. Now, you could argue it could potentially get cheaper and, and then it would kind of encroach more on those areas. Um, but I think ultimately there's always going to be spaces where humans have value and there's, there's a versatility there um, in every respect of either cognitive or physical, which just can't be replicated. And, and, and that's something that will continue in the labor market. Yeah, I was going
0: to say, I mean, the caring industry, I suppose, is probably the most obvious one, and that's been under a lot of pressure, of course, during the last 12 months. But, but you know, robots simply couldn't do that or probably wouldn't be appropriate for it.
1: Well, it's interesting you said that, actually, but there is actually some research, particularly um, it's a big issue in Japan, whereby the population is aging and um, they uh, are not particularly as open to migrant work as other jurisdictions in the world, which, as you know, migrant workers typically, um, uh, you know, the care sector is, is a big area for that. And they have actually found that, you know, a robot will sit there and listen to stories all day long and give and, and you know, nod along and 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 listen to stories and, and do that kind of stuff, whereas a carer might not. Um, so, that, that, interestingly, there are different applications in different spaces. Now, would you therefore want them sort of applying care? Would you want them doing medication, all these kind of things? That's another question. But again, if you look at that environment, like such as care home the point is is that it's in there and it's somehow part of the work that's being done but to say that it's outright replacing everyone that's in that place and there's no humans walking around whatsoever that that's that's quite unrealistic i think as, as a future um picture
0: all right well david i mean you've set out this picture and um you know it is uh, interesting certainly and alarming in some ways um but when when does it happen i mean if you you were a great fan i know of the uh, uh, terminator films of course they i think uh, Imagine that all this change had come about already by the year we are in now, but clearly it hasn't. So what is the timescale?
1: Yeah, that's right. There's, I mean, if, there's some great um, quotes around artificial intelligence where very, very clever people have really got things very wrong when they've completely overestimated kind of the the, the kind of when we expect to see it. And just to give you some idea, I mean, there's this idea of um, artificial intelligence will one day surpass human intelligence, um, and this sort of super intelligence. You know, some people are already saying, you know, 2060, 20, 2070, 20, um, but you know, even that is 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 um, a bit more grandiose. Right Right now we're actually in a position where AI is predicted to be around the intelligence of a mouse, um, interestingly enough, and the expectation is that by 2030, 2040, we will be able to get to the level of intelligence somewhat close to a human, but that's on an exponential scale. Um, Maybe putting it in more realistic terms, um the thing that we should all really be talking about is actually what has covid-19 done to this because of course covid-19 has exposed a real weak link when it comes to the human factor in so many different areas um you know you only have to go down to your local supermarket now and see actually um you know it's very good that a lot of these people have been replaced at the tills with the automated machines um because ultimately that enables it to keep functioning and minimize virus spread and these kind of things and actually that's really stirred something in a lot of executives a survey i was looking at showed that 67% of executives that were surveyed, um, they were actually saying that they've accelerated their rollout as a result of the pandemic because almost humans are kind of human contact are kind of seen as the as, as a real risk that has to be seen. Um, in addition to that, I think the next five years is when we're probably going to see a lot more kind of prol- proliferation. I mean, at the end of the day, if you have a smartphone, you are walking around every day with AI in your pocket. Um, now, Siri is hardly an integrated part of our lives, Um, I think if anything a lot of people accept that it's not actually been at all successful Um, but at the same time it is with us today it's just we haven't really found a use for it in some respects and so I think as the technology gets better, um, as it gets more available, it'll be something that kind of fits in more and more. Those who employ it very well actually you're not even going to notice it's necessarily there either because it's a back office thing or either because it's so integrated it may improve the efficiency, Um, you may um, go through a couple of steps um, when you're speaking to your doctor which weren't there before that might channel you down different directions but the point is you still end up getting talking to the doctor at the end of the day so um, how it looks well you'll have to take a very keen eye to notice it um, of course the danger of that is we might wake up one day and be like it's everywhere what happens now so that's the caution that we're very much saying in our report is companies need to get on the front foot with this stuff they can't just stumble into it they got to be careful not to do it wrong there's a real value there from the efficiency gains yet at the same time they got to go into it eyes open as to the risks you've got to have a good human capital management strategy maybe that involves reskilling your workforce that can be expensive but replacing your workforce is even more expensive it's much cheaper to create the skills internally than to buy them in um and yeah that's that's the that's the message we are broadcasting right now because we want to see this opportunity really flourish.
0: Try and make sure it's not Skynet along the way but something that actually benefits all of us. Uh, David that's a fascinating uh, conversation really really interesting and I do recommend the article which is called Artificial Intelligence Automation and the Future of Work and that's pretty much it for this mini pod from embark pod my thanks to david Sneed, vice president uh, analyst in the responsible investment team at bmo global asset management for yeah an enlightening sort of scary conversation but thank you for that and i'll be back with more episodes of mini pods i'm roger hearing for now thanks for listening goodbye